0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the seventh commandment, Thou shall not commit adultery.
1: If you look at the final commandment, which is about coveting, 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house and you shall not covet what? Your neighbor's wife. Another mention of your neighbor's wife here. The idea is that the, what would be the predecessor to adultery is coveting. Coveting is to want something that someone else possesses that you're jealous of or you want it. We often think of a car or a home or something like that. But what you do in this case, this specific form of coveting is to covet another person's spouse and to go over that in your mind over and over again until you want to act upon that. Coveting is the predecessor to adultery. And so here's the idea of the language, the word Doctor Seekins uh, rounds out his definition by saying the word uh, in the picture language has the idea of enwrapping or encompassing, and it's only used of death and sorrow in the Bible. And so, here's the idea of adultery in the New Testament. The Greek word is moicheia, spelled M-O-I-C-H-E-I-A, moicheia, and it includes being with another person intimately that is not your spouse. And it even includes if you're a single person and you sleep with someone who is married, that is also considered adultery. Now, when scholars look at Hebrew and Greek words, they often like to walk out implications of those words. So let me just tell you about a Greek word that many of you are familiar with. It's the Greek word pornea, where we get the English word pornography. The Greek word pornea encompasses, if you look it up in a Greek lexicon, all forms of sexual immorality. Pornea includes all forms of sexual immorality. So scholars would say that what's implicit in the idea of adultery is really any form of sexual immorality. Because God has given us the sexual relationship within the covenant of marriage. Fornication is premarital sex. Now, you might... Uh, you might look at the world and maybe you're angry about some things, you know, that you see going on with the homosexual movement or whatever. But you can watch a TV show where two people sleep together and they're not married. And we can can almost, some of us, maybe just kind of wink at that. Or uh, what can be also celebrated is two people who end up sexually involved with one another who are not married to one another. You ever stayed home from work or school sick and turned on some of those uh, you know, shows and they play back to back to back about someone killing their spouse. You know what always is at the center of that? Another person that they want to be with and usually insurance money. And often both. This is our world. And this has been the ongoing challenge to all of us to stay true to God's commands. All forms of sex outside of marriage are a sin. They're sinful in God's eyes. You are to save yourself for your spouse, and you are to be uh, intimate only with that individual for the rest of your life and enjoy that relationship with one another. I'll talk about the positive case in a moment. Genesis 2.24 puts it this way. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave or be joined to his wife. The idea of the language here of cleaving has the idea of super glue. And one of the expressions of oneness is sexual intimacy. There is a spiritual oneness in marriage. There is a friendship oneness in marriage. And there's a physical oneness in marriage. And I will tell you, if you want to have a healthy relationship in your marriage, they all go together. A healthy friendship, a healthy spiritual life, will also make a triangle to a healthy sexual life. A good, healthy friendship, a good, healthy spiritual life will go hand in hand with a good, healthy sexual intimacy in your relationship. It is the self-giving of one another, and God teaches it from the very beginning. Before there was ever a formal church, before there was ever government, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. And then God says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, just to give you an example of how things have been weird over the centuries, throughout church history, many church fathers that you would know their names had very strange views about sex within marriage. Some early church fathers taught that sexual intimacy in marriage is only for procreation. That is, only to have children. That is false. There are other church fathers who basically read Jesus's words in Matthew 5 about not lusting and went out and castrated themselves. I don't recommend that for you, (laughs) nor do I recommend that for myself. There are others, as Roman Catholicism began to develop and dominate the world from about 500 A.D. to about 1500, the Catholic Church began to counsel couples not to be together on holy days. By the time it was all said and done, they had 183 holy days in a 365-day year, basically telling couples not to be intimate half of the year on account of holy days. There were simply just man-made rules. If you want the biblical ethic, Paul says that husbands and wives, 1 Corinthians 7, should come together regularly and come together in intimacy in marriage because it is one way that they cement their oneness and stay close to one another. And he says, if you don't for, if you decide to not be together for a time, do that by agreement Dedicate yourself to prayer and fasting and come back together quickly, lest the devil tempt you. Those are not my words. Those are Paul's words. And he says that the wife's body does not belong to her, but to the husband. And the husband's body doesn't belong to him, but to the wife. And that we have a responsibility one to another to meet our needs in this area. It is always wrong for a spouse to hold Sexual intimacy over a spouse's head. Don't do that. It's a mistake. Now, if you have other issues, then get help with those issues. Now, the bedroom will suffer when your relationship obviously is not right. Your oneness will be affected at every level. And uh, Jesus addresses some of these issues in the book of Matthew. So I'm going to turn you to the book of Matthew. We're going to be turning to a few passages. Matthew chapter 19. Now, many in the homosexual community have said that Jesus never addressed the issue of homosexuality. And for that matter, he did not address bestiality. Matthew chapter 19, the first gospel. The reason that Jesus didn't address homosexuality specifically in his earthly ministry is because most of his sermons were to a Jewish audience. The Jewish audience that Jesus addressed would have known that Leviticus condemns homosexual behavior with the death penalty. Uh, I, I don't think that it was as big of a deal in Israel as it was in the Gentile world. That's why when Paul writes in Romans and 1 Corinthians, he addresses these things more specifically because of his audience. Remember in Rome, if you watch the movie Gladiator, at one point they, they ask, uh, you know, the gladiator. What do you want? Do you want a girl? Do you want a boy? Do you want a, a male or a female kind of thing? Because in the Roman world, there was all this lewd conduct going on. The Jews knew the Torah, so they didn't need a lot of instruction from Jesus in terms of what, what was right and wrong in God's eyes. That's why Jesus doesn't specifically address it, but I will say it doesn't let you off the hook because the whole Bible comes from the living word, Jesus himself, all scriptures inspired by God, amen? But here's what Jesus did say. He was addressed by the Pharisees in Matthew 19 about the issue of divorce. They came, 19.3 of Matthew, testing him, as they often did. They, were always, they always regretted it. And they said, Is it lawful, Matthew 19.3, for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And Jesus answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning, uh, an appeal now to Genesis, made them male and female. That's Genesis one twenty seven. He said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, Jesus talking now, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In two back-to-back verses, Jesus quotes Genesis one twenty seven in verse 4 and Genesis 2.24 in verse 5. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one flesh. And here it is. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man come into that oneness, those vows that have been taken, and be a third party dividing that couple. Let no one come in and break up what God joins together as one. And they said to him, seven, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce? And send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. Jesus' appeal for the sexual ethic in scripture is Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. By the way, he did not think they were mythical creations of poetry. Jesus believed in a literal Adam and Eve, a literal beginning, a literal first couple made in the image of God and that they were to come together. And if Jesus said that, that's what I'm going to believe. And he said, if any third party gets involved, Though polygamy obviously happened in the Old Testament, God seems to allow some wiggle room there. I don't know all the reasons why, but I will tell you whenever someone got involved in a polygamous relationship, it ended really bad. It went really south really fast. And so here's what he says. Pick up the account. And I say to you, nine, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits. Here's our topic adultery. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry, right? <laughs> and he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. Basically, if your heart is open to the word of God, this will not be hard to figure out.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, and thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com
0: We'd love to see who's listening So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance Right here on Walkin' Truth
1: Whoever divorces his wife except for immorality And marries another woman commits Here's our topic, adultery The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry, right? (laughs) And he said to them, Not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. Basically, if your heart is open to the Word of God, this will not be hard to figure out. Jesus Christ lays down the biblical ethic. You leave your parents, you cleave to your wife or your husband. And the two of you are close and you celebrate your monogamous, heterosexual relationship. I got to qualify everything as I say these things. And you are true to one another and it is a positive thing. God thought it up. God created male and female. He designed Adam with the specific parts and breathed the breath of life. Into him he took one of his ribs, and he built, literally, he designed Eve to fit with Adam. And it is not hard to figure out that God designed male and female to be together. One of the uh, offsprings of that is offspring, right? They come together and babies are born, etc. But that's not the only reason. It is for marital closeness and marital love. And what i like to do is I'm giving you a little bit of the negative. I want to give you some of the positive and take you to a few other passages. We're going to go to wisdom literature now in Proverbs. So locate the Psalms and then go to your right and you're going to come to the book of Proverbs. It is packed with wisdom. It addresses some of these issues. This is uh, fatherly wisdom to a son, namely Solomon uh, to his son. And Solomon made a lot of mistakes in this area. Proverbs 5.15 encourages the following. And as you turn there, just know that the biblical view is that sex is not merely procreational. Quoting now Philip Ryken, it is also relational and recreational. Sex is for love, for pleasure, and for joy. Proverbs 5.15 says, Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be yours alone. And not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. It does us no good in the church to not talk to people about issues that are everywhere in the culture and on everybody's mind. The Bible has all kinds of wisdom in this area. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 6, look at verse 23. Proverbs 6:23 it says the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life to keep you from the evil woman from the smooth tongue of the adulteress 6:25 do not desire her beauty in your heart nor let her catch you with her eyelids for on account of the harlot one is reduced to a loaf of bread and an adulteress hunts for the precious life Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife, one who commits adultery. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's hungry. But when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. He must give all the substance of his house. The one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He would destroy himself who does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find, and his reproach will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a man, and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not accept any ransom, nor will he be content, though you give, him, you give many gifts. You try to pay him off. You say, I'm so sorry. A jealous husband, a jealous and wounded wife, there's often much more that goes with that, including violence, And sometimes people killing other people because they have been robbed of something very precious. When trust is broken and the covenant is broken and so forth. Now, on the positive side, I want to tell you that there's a whole book in the Bible devoted to passionate love. Do you all know what the book of the Bible devoted to passionate love is called? Thank you. It's called the Song of Solomon. Now, it's in the wisdom literature going to your right You're going to uh, move from Proverbs. Keep turning with me. You're going to pass up Ecclesiastes and you're going to get to the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon. Kind of a duet between two lovers here. And uh, this is a celebration of sexual love. And let me just say that I understand that this is not necessarily the, the most common messages that we do here. But if it embarrasses you that there's some kind of you know, sexual, erotic stuff in the Bible. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you're more prudish than God, you might want to just check yourself, you know. If you're like, oh God, really? You know, check yourself. Anyway, <laughs> Song of Solomon one, Solomon's Song of Songs. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance, fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder, no wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us, hurry. Let us hurry. I'm reading from the NIV. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Skip over to Song, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9. I'm just going to give you a few snapshots. You can read this on your own later. This is the New American Standard from Song 4, verse 9. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes, with a single strand of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, verse 10, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine and the fragrance of your oils than all kinds of spices. Your lips, my bride, drip honey. Honey and milk are under your tongue and the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. Some of you ladies are going to get some cards with some of this stuff in there. I can just see it coming. Anyway, (laughs) Song of Solomon 5, verse 2. I slept, NIV. My heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. My heart began to pound for him. I arose to open for my lover and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. Now, I know you can't take much more, so that's where I will leave it. Some of you didn't know this was in the Bible. But what this does is tell, tell you something. The Bible celebrates intimate love within marriage.
0: You've been listening to The Seventh Commandment, Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery, Part Two on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus Chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Or maybe you'd like to let us know how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at com. That's contact at com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com.
1: Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, maybe as you hear about adultery and the Seventh Commandment, and you hear about The Bible celebrating sex within marriage, you may be saying, well, why don't I hear too much on the positive side uh, about sex in marriage? If if God ordained it, if God designed it, if God designed oneness in marriage, as the book of Genesis lays out and other places lay out as well, why don't I hear more? I'm so glad you asked the question. You're going to hear more. (laughs) Recently in our fellowship, we talked through the book of the song of Solomon, which is all about intimate love within marriage. And we're going to air that right here on walk in truth in the near future. I can't give you the exact date, but it's coming. And I will tell you when we preached this recently at our home fellowship, it was a mixed reaction. Some people were thrilled to hear about the positive side of sex within marriage, God's design. Oneness and uh, enjoyment and fulfillment in that area and other people weren't as comfortable for whatever reason but sometimes when we're uncomfortable that could be okay too because it means that we might be stretching and growing in areas where we lack some comfort so hey be on the outlook uh, be on the lookout, not the outlook <laughs> be on the lookout for the Song of Solomon which will be airing right here on Walking Truth in the near future. And that will hopefully answer many of your questions about this topic. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're going through the Ten Commandments. We're at the seventh one. So glad that you've been joining us. Hey, if we can minister to you in any way, we have a phone number available for you to call Tuesday through Friday during normal business hours out here in Southern California. It's 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow on Walk in Truth. See you then.
0: Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. And hopefully, Walk in Truth helps people like you dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Our fiscal year ends March 31st. And thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. You can give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the seventh commandment, Thou shall not commit adultery. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.